and welcome back to the first Under Pressure podcast since the AFL restart. But we're not going to start with AFL today because even us as new podcast makers, now if we want to keep you to the end, we put the exciting AFL stuff at the end and that's what we're doing today. We're starting off with the NRL and that's why we've uh, done it this way where our very own NRL expert, Jake Barker, is going to run us through some of the NRL news from the recent week of Rugby League. That's it. How are you doing today, Matt? You, you good? Yeah, I'm going great. Um, just excited to learn a little bit about Rugby League, a sport that, personally, I know nothing about except for the Melbourne Storm is the most hated team in the competition because they're Victorian. That's they're all, pretty much all I know. And they always win. That's exactly right. They're, they're very good, the Storm. We like the Storm. Yeah, no, same. I've been uh, keeping a close eye on the NRL this year because it's uh, it started a bit earlier than the AFL. So I've uh, watched a fair bit of rugby league, in fact, over over both weekends now. So I've uh, tuned, into yeah. of, tuned into a lot of games. And I know because we watched a, uh, an, an AFL game, but we then watched the last couple of Melbourne moments of the Melbourne Storm game where Melbourne Storm have once again shown that they are one of the dominant forces in the competition and now yeah. are equal second on the ladder. That's exactly right. They're, uh, they're dominating once again, so hopefully they can uh, finish off, start the season and finish, finish well towards the end and hopefully bring another flag to Melbourne. But um, yeah. moving forward, so I know we haven't talked a lot of NRL on the podcast yet, and also haven't yet really fully addressed the uh, under pressure nature of the podcast, as there, ha- as there hasn't been many people or many teams to be under pressure at this point in time. But in terms of sports that are back into full swing, the NRL is certainly one of them. There's just a few teams and coaches that I believe that are under pressure at the moment. So, first off, I'll mention a team that I believe to be under pressure, but not as n- not as nearly as much as some of the other teams. But we'll start with the Cronulla Sharks. Uh, they've won one game from their first five matches. They're sitting in 13th position, which is strange to see after their seventh place finish last season under then first year head coach John Morris. But after a reasonable sort of start and narrow losses against the Rabbitohs and the Storm, the Sharks were then very disappointing, going down 28 to 16 to the Tigers. Uh, they actually, but they then actually bounced back and beat the Cowboys in a great win a week later, but only to lose to the very average Dragons team that I don't feel as if the Sharks are under a lot of pe- pressure. But if I were them as a team, I would would very much want to start stringing a couple of wins together to show fans and hopefully uh, Morris can come up with some plans pretty quick in the next cup in the next few weeks to uh, string some wins together. Uh, next week they start, they uh, have the Bulldogs, so and that strings in nicely with the uh, next team that I next team slash coach I should say that I believe is uh, under pressure this weekend. So obviously the Bulldogs are going to take take on the Sharks this week, which is a huge game. Um, last year actually. Their coach, Dean Pay, was actually was actually speculated that he might 
lose his job midway through last year, but to a lot of people's surprise, they actually re-signed him until the end of this current season. Um, the Dogs finished 12th position last year after a very slow start. And it looks the same again this this season, in the 2020 season, which could force the hand of the Bulldogs executive to uh, move on pay at the end of the year if there's no real improvements on last year, if it's just the same as this year and last year. With only a win, one win against the uh, helpless Dragons, <laughs> I imagine that pay is definitely feeling the pressure at this point in time. As I said, the game against the Sharks is huge for both of them. One, one of them will be left with one win from their first six and, and that's not good for either coach. And There's just a lot of pressure between those two coaches and I believe that it'll be, it'll be big in the context of both their years, I think. Do you think a coach could lose his job at the completion of this round? Probably not at the completion of this round, but I wouldn't be surprised midway through the year that one of these four teams, probably not as much the Sharks, but one of these four teams that we're going to talk about, one of them I reckon will lose their <coughs> their head coach, I'd assume. Probably mainly, okay. the, probably mainly the Bulldogs and uh, the next team we're going to talk about, the Dragons. So the Dragons have had a pretty rough couple of years. They finished 15th on the ladder last year and they're currently sitting in 14th. Um, they had a very disappointing game against against the Bulldogs, who are also obviously struggling, as I just mentioned. They lost 22-2, had a shocking game, and certainly do, doesn't bode well for their coach, uh, Paul McGregor. After that loss against the, the, the Dogs, actually, there is certainly many questions. In the media, I watched that game, and then I watched after, and the media were just laying into him a whole bunch. They believe he what he is the right man for the job. The players, uh, the coach, obviously wants to stay in his job, and I don't know how the fans feel, but I'd be want to I'd want to be uh, stringing a few wins together. Uh, but lucky for the team, they, they they had a good they had a good win last weekend. Again, they had a good win last weekend, thirty points to sixteen, scoring their first try in over one hundred and sixty minutes of football, which is uh, not ideal, but at least they got there. The players, again, though, they have another huge chance this week to relieve the pressure off their coach and string two wins together, which they probably haven't done for a long time, as they're playing the Gold Coast Titans, who currently sit on the bottom of the ladder. Captain Cameron McGuinness will be doing everything in his power, I imagine, to make sure his coach is no longer under pressure and also probably his players as well, because they'd be feeling the punch as well. Moving into the fourth and final team, I did sort of just mention them just then. But the last one is the Gold Coast Titans. It's been pretty disappointing for them over the past couple of seasons. They had the spoon last year with the four solitary wins. They're, they got a new coach this year, Justin Holbrook, who is by no means under too much pressure, obviously, because it's his, his first season, first five or six games that he's been in charge. But he'll obviously still want to make a very good impression on the Titans executive and obviously all the fans as well to make sure they've picked the, the right man for the job. Uh, they had a great win in round four, actually, uh, against the West Tigers, where they won 28 to 23, which is, was in a strange, strange odd game. There's a couple of plays in that game, actually, that were 
quite out there. So if you, if you can find those on YouTube, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty good watch. Uh, but, but now after a disappointing loss in round five, it's certainly important that their captain, Ryan James, leads his troops from the front and produce a great rest of the season, uh, not only for the coach, but also the fans as well. And bring a uh, winning culture into Gold Coast sport, I should say, as it's uh, one of the most, if not one of, if not the most under pressure cities in a sporting way in Australia. Because they, uh, if you're talking AFL and you're talking NRL and NBL, where, where they folded as well, they haven't had much luck over there in the Gold Coast in a, in a sporting sense. So hopefully um, with the Titans going a little bit better this year, they might be able to string a few wins and also the Suns, they might be able to bring a better culture up there in, in Gold Coast sport. So that was my quick little under pressure segment for the NRL as it's uh, three weeks back now. So we'll, we'll have a bit of a recap in a couple of weeks and see, see if these uh, same teams are going to be under fire again. Hopefully not, but you never know. Yeah, and we're, we're going to change our pace uh, quite substantially and quickly just do a quick rundown of Cricket Australia, who is under immense pressure um, with this week. Um, saw the resignation, or that's how it's publicly played out, of CEO Kevin Roberts, who had been in the job for 18 months. Um, and honestly, I don't think this came to, um, to many people's surprise. Um, given the nature of what's happened since COVID sort of has started. Um, it also was revealed today that they've uh, cut $14 million out of their budget and um, announced some pretty substantial redundancies, which is always horrible to hear. Um, that includes the, well, the it's, at the moment it's only being reported, it's not yet confirmed, but the, um, making redundant Australian batting coach Graham Hick uh, redundant um, from the site. And from what's also been reported, the Toyota second 11 competition's gone. Create Australia 11 fixtures that are normally there for players who are on the fringe when touring parties come. But also the um, Australia A tours have also been cancelled, which... If you think back to the Ashes last year, the Australian A Tour was um, was vital to Australia winning, um, winning the Ashes. So it is some quite substantial changes happening at Cricket Australia, who is under huge pressure. And I'm quickly going to also now quickly talk about Formula One. There's obviously a few tracks this year where they're going to be doing some double headers. We've already heard that both Silverstone in the UK and Austria Austria with the Red Bull ring will both get two races. But there's been a lot of chat this week about Bahrain getting two races. And Bahrain has put on some great races in the last few years. With um, the 2014 race, arguably the best race of one of the best races of the last 10 years. But what the Formula One want to do is they want to make the, the second race at the same venue a bit different because otherwise it's just a rerun and the result could be almost identical. And the suggestion that's doing the round that I want to happen is they're thinking on doing using Bahrain's outer circuit, which is essentially an oval. And this is going to see some wonderful 
um, DRS um, or for those um, people who don't know what DRS is, it's the drag reduction system. So in the back spoiler, a little flap opens up and it, uh, I think it adds 40 horsepower worth of power um, to the car. So it's quite a substantial thing. There could be some magnificent overtakes there and would love to see that race happen. But I think Jake and I can both agree on this. The best story from the weekend was the Gold Coast Suns and more importantly, Matty Rowell's superb second game of AFL football. What did you think of it, Jake? Oh, absolutely phenomenal. When I was watching that game, I, to be fair, I watched the first half of the first quarter of the showdown and I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I think I'm going to watch, I think I'm going to watch West Coast versus Gold Coast. And that first quarter, I thought I was only going to watch a little bit, but then as the game went on, I was like, no, I can't turn this off. This this could be this could be very very good come the end of the game. So, I think I think for me it was oh when will West Coast over to, um take the lead off Gold Coast and then it didn't it didn't and then you saw this young kid play a superb game. Yeah, no, he was um he was phenomenal. Arguably, probably the three Brownlow votes in his second game, which is a bit bit crazy. I've heard a lot of people saying that he's a bit of a bit of a Joel Selwood type, bit of an in and under and And the the tweet from Joel Selwood about him was one, shows what the great character Joel Selwood is in recognizing young talent. But also two, to get that sort of praise by one of the toughest players in the competition, that doesn't come easy. No, definitely not. And and and, and and Joel wouldn't throw that out just willy-nilly. He, he he would genuinely mean that. And I think he's I think he's seeing someone they're calling him the young bull. So I think we'll see the young bull uh, win 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 many a Brownlow votes in years to come, I reckon. Even this year he could get quite a few. Um, but the interesting thing to actually come up in uh, come up for me in the wash up of this game is uh the chairman of the Gold Coast Suns, Danny Corcoran, announcing that um, they plan to almost, almost certainly, it's just the last bits of dotting the I's, crossing the T's, extend Stuart due for another three years to see him at the club to the end of 2023. So my question for you, Jake, his contract was due to expire this year. Is that a bit of an overreaction by the Gold Coast board? Um, I think, I know a lot of coaches these days have been getting those three-year deals and I know that the, the Bulldogs signed Luke Beveridge to that three-year deal as well and they might be a bit a little bit sus about that now. But I think I think having a coach for a long, a long period of time will be good for a young developing list. And I feel like Stuart Jew's got a good rapport with the team and you could see that by what happens in the rooms and how he gets them together. And I know everyone's been hyped on the Gold Coast before. They were three and one. One year. They start, and... the year off well. they start the year off well and they've typically faded away. So it'll be interesting to see how that continue, if that continues this year. Yeah, no, definitely. And for all 40 fans, I, re- I know that everyone wants to see the Gold Coast do well. So I'll be, just to give you a sl- Quick insight, I will be tipping them for the first time in a long time this weekend when they when they take on the Crows. Yeah. 
Um, but Danny Corcoran also did say that if he could have extended him till the end of 2024 or 2025, he would have. He said that it was too much of a pressure on the Gold Coast um, salary cap and finances that he couldn't do that. No, I, I, for me, I think it's a good decision. I think he's had two good years and he's, he's building to something and this could be the year where we start, he starts to reap those rewards. We're now going to look at um, Gold Coast's opposition for this week, uh, the Adelaide Crows, who were woeful on the weekend um, with every single footy personality bagging them. Malcolm Blight has said they're pretty much not following the first rule of football in getting the ball where whereas because they've got such a defensive mindset. But for me, the bit that has really captured my attention and which to me highlights that they are a side under pressure are the words that one of their board members and former club legend Mike Mark Rusciuto has said about some of the players that have left. So Jake, what I thought we'd do is I'm going to say what Rusciuto said and then you're going to give your initial response. So we're probably going to, we're going to start off with their biggest name departure, Paddy Dangerfield. Dangerfield was never going to stay. We would have paid him whatever we could to keep Patrick Dangerfield, but he's absolutely loyal to, uh, loyal to and loves Moggs Creek. No, it never even got to money. Yep, 100% accurate. I would, I would agree with that 100%. I reckon they could have thrown the whole salary cap at Paddy and he would have, and he would have come back, back to Geelong. It, it's, it's just one of those things. He, he very much is a family first kind of guy and I think he would have made that decision regardless. So to start off, I reckon he's got that one on the money. Um, next up, Charlie Cameron. Uh, just quietly, I might put in there. Probably worth a sneaky couple of dollars on the Coleman medal for him at the moment because this could be the year that a small Ford wins the brown line, uh, the Coleman medal. Gamble responsibly. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. Um, Charlie Cameron was one of few we didn't want to lose, but got a very, very good contract from Brisbane who were down the bottom of the ladder and had plenty of money in the salary cap. We couldn't match that. Absolutely not. This was 2017. When you're at the top of the ladder and your salary, your salary cap is chock-a-block, you haven't got much room to move. We didn't want to lose him, but we lost him. Yeah, well, I, I, I'd honestly say that he's probably one that they should have kept. I know it would have been hard to get rid of some of your other players, but when you're looking, when you're looking at future... He was certainly going to have a bright one. And I think they should have made some some tough decisions in getting rid of some of their older heads rather than getting rid of him or or not offering him a contract. And you look at Brisbane now, they're building their pretty much... He's one of the players that they're building the team around and he is really pushing that team forward. Um, Jake Lever um, got a five-year deal on 800 to 850,000. Very comfortable that we would let him go on that money. He's probably a half million dollar a year player. Uh, I probably wouldn't go to the lengths of saying he's a half a million dollar. I I reckon he's somewhere in between those two amounts, the the amount that Melbourne paid him and, and, and the half a mil. But that's a tough one. I think I, 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 
I might be biased here as a Melbourne supporter, but I actually feel like even though this is his third year at Melbourne, we actually haven't really been able to see Lever yet, given that halfway through his first year, he got injured. And then the second half of his second year, he was just getting back into the routine after an ACL injury. I don't think there has been a sample size big enough for us to make judgment on Lever. Yeah, no, you're probably right in terms of his Melbourne career, but he, certainly his, his start at Adelaide was definitely re- was definitely good and obviously why Melbourne targeted him. And He was he was the third best for intercept marks in 2017 at Adelaide behind, um, um, for what's his name, um, Rance and, oh, I've got a name blank, uh, from West Coast Eagles, uh, Jeremy, Gu- Jeremy, Jeremy McGovern. But yeah, um, he sort of took the same time with Mitch McGovern as well. Comfortable that he goes. We love people that contest in the forward line and have got plenty of speed. And we need speed in our forward line. But once again, 800 and something thousand. Has he delivered for Carlton yet? No. Oh, I reckon he's he's got he's got that one pretty accurate I think I don't I don't think yeah. Mitch McGovern's worth worth that that amount of money obviously Carlton want to try and build build a side and and if you need to go go overs on a on a player especially especially a forward a big forward then then you do that and you take the gamble but he certainly wasn't get that going to get that kind of money at, at Adelaide. Adelaide and I feel like they've got a couple of young forwards developing. Darcy Foggy's one that springs to mind and I think will be a good one in the future when he develops a bit more. But that's certainly one that I'd be fine with letting go. Um, he, I'm just going to briefly talk about Eddie, Bet, Eddie Betts and Josh Jenkins. Um, pretty much just said, paraphrasing here, that they didn't fit the age profile of the list. And Hugh Greenwood um, talked a bit about being, being a bit... Uh, Adelaide being looked as a bit too much of a slow midfield. And he added to that. And um, um, he also talked about Alex Keith saying the uh, doggies gave, offered him a huge deal and they would have, Adelaide would have lost more players to losing. My question, has the pressure got to Rashudo here publicly saying this after two rounds of football? Well, certainly, he, we all know he's one of the greats of Adelaide and he wouldn't want to put any pressure on his former club if he, if he didn't have to. And I feel like he's, he's just felt the need that, that he should because they'll all, they'll all look at this and they'll all see this and they'll want to not prove him wrong, but they'll want to make sure that he, he's not accurate in all of his uh, statements here. He, he, he's doing this just to drive them a bit a bit further and get a couple of wins on the board. I don't think he's doing it out of malice or anything like that. He's just wants the team to do better and he's just giving them a rocket to, to fire them up, I think. Yeah, I, I, I tend to actually disagree with you. I actually think he's actually trying to play the um, ship the story game and try and get the pressure off the, dog, uh, off the crows by making a bigger headline himself which I think he's just trying to shift the attention, which I think is a interesting move given that Adelaide could have been more open with other issues earlier in the year with suspensions and COVID breaches. But, yeah, interesting move. Who are you tipping this week, Gold Coast or the Crows? 
Yeah, as as I did give it away a little bit earlier, but I, yeah, I am gonna I'm gonna tick the Suns. I just I, I I might be falling into a trap, but I like the way they played last week. They played with a bit of fire, bit of grunt, just played that dirty, scrappy footy that that gets the job done. And I just don't see Adelaide doing that, even with all their their great players. I think it's it, it's Gold Coast's time to get over the top. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, we're now going to look at a side that is not under pressure, sitting very nicely at two and zip. Now, and that's North Melbourne. Could they go 0-5 with games against Sydney, Hawthorne and the Western Bulldogs all in Melbourne at Marvel Stadium? In a way, I, I, I think they can. If, they're playing, if they play the way that they played against the Giants last week at, in Sydney, there, there's no reason why they can't win. They've got games in Melbourne against teams that probably you thought might be doing a little bit better than they should and and they're not at this point in time and North Melbourne might get them at the right time, which which could open up that 5-0 and bracket for them after the first five rounds. So you, you never and know. If, if you're fi- and if you're 5-0, and you're going to be playing finals. It's as simple as... It's it's almost as simple as that. Yeah, especially in a season like this. If you're 5-0, and you, you're, probably, you're probably in there. Just From memory, they were saying... You know, I think it was about 10 games would in um, a 17 game a year guarantee you a top eight spot and even nine and eight could almost get you in and with five you only need to sort of halve your remaining games and you're you're there yeah correct and that's what happens in this shortened season yeah it it is less wins and it is yeah and um also looking at another side who is going to be definitely looking at the pointy end of the finals is uh richmond with dusty Dustin Martin out this week with injury. Uh, Jake, I believe you've got a little bit on that that you want to say. Yeah, I actually don't think it's going to affect Richmond too much in terms of the way they play. And I know he, he, he gives that bit of fire and a bit of this sort of shortened season, shortened games thing sort of helps him. And I, I figured they've just done this just to not give him a break, but because he's had a long long enough one, everyone has. If they're going to give him time to, if it's general soreness or something, they're better off doing it now than later in the season when they need to bank some wins. And I feel like Hawthorne isn't playing amazing football, so it's not the worst I, not the worst thing to do to let him be out for with general soreness or something like that. I can't I can't fully remember what what the injury is, but I think. I think it's just precautionary, if if anything, I believe. And I think they'll get the win anyway. So it's not going to matter too much. It just hurts my super coach team. Yeah. Um, and the other one that I sort of... we I, I mentioned it as the thing that I wanted the answer most of all last week. And a bit selfish for me as a Melbourne supporter, but I wanted to know which Melbourne we're going to turn up in 2020. Was it going to be 2018? where we made a prelim final, or was it the 2019 where we finished second last? Going off the first game, clearly both. First quarter, we looked we looked on, we looked set, we looked like... I watched the game with you, I thought we were looking at about a 10-goal-plus win and an easy way to restart the year, but we were shocking in the second, third, and fourth quarters. I thought we were pretty good in the last four minutes or three, four minutes where we showed a bit of composure with the ball. But we were pretty... Melbourne were pretty ordinary in after quarter time. 
yeah, as you said, I couldn't agree more. 20, 2018 Melbourne turned up in the in the first quarter, and then from then on until the last five minutes, they were t- nothing but 2019 Melbourne. That's for sure. And I, I, I really hope that that's not the kind of games that we see. They they really need to. I know they're focused, been focused on some really good starts, obviously, because it's they're shortened games, so you obviously want to start well, but. They really need to keep the foot on the pedal when it comes to the second quarter. Yeah, and it was um, I had Simon Goodwin spoke on Jared Waitley's program during last week on that they had put a big focus on that opening quarter, and that was something. With that being known, they put the focus in and they got the result. They play Essendon this week, who last year were a very slow start inside. So it'll be interesting to see where that game goes. But that wasn't so much a problem last week for Essendon. Um, in what I think will be one of the better games of the round, I, I personally think the game of the round is actually going to be Collingwood and St Kilda. Maybe a little bit from left field. Um, but I, I loved watching St Kilda last week. And even in round one where they just lost to the Kangaroos. But St Kilda looked good with uh, the addition of uh, Bradley Hill, Zach Jones. Um, Dan Hannabury looks better this year than he did last year. Um, Dan Butler. And Dan Butler. Phenomenal game by him on the weekend. Um, I, I, I just want to watch St Kilda play. That's the easiest way to say it. They excite me as a supporter. Yeah, certainly I'd be excited as well. After watching last week's game uh, in full on the on the Sunday, they that was that was I was not expecting that at all. That they were they were ridiculous. That they were getting from one end of the field like it was so easy for them to rebound the ball from defence, and then they would be running out up right to their own goal line and kicking a goal like they just split the dogs wide open, and and they I- they got the job done. I, I said last week that I was going to tip the, the Saints, and, and I did. And you might remember from earlier podcasts, I've been someone that have been talking up the, the doggies train for a couple of weeks now, and I couldn't be more disappointed. I, I'm sure we both, everyone knows a doggies mate who, we, who will just be angered and frustrated with where the team is. And I just don't know where the problem is for them. They've, They've got a big game this week against, and I've just had a name blank. Once again, I'm a bit, a bit blanky today, aren't I? The Giants, which might actually be a good thing for them. There's history between these two clubs. It might be what they need to restart their season, or it could be an absolute bloodbath with another, another loss. I actually think this game will be very close. I think they're, they're both coming off a very bad loss. Uh, the Giants definitely should have taken the chocolates against North Melbourne last week, and they'll be very disappointed with that. They're, they're known as the top four team this year, and they can't be dropping games at home like that, especially even if it's early on in the season. They need to be winning those, and they'll certainly want to get the job done against the Dogs on the weekend, and the Dogs being 0-2, they, they really need to win this weekend. Um, question? Doggies lose, are they out of finals contention, being zip and three? I wouldn't say completely out. I know we were talking about if, if you go well for the first half of the season, then you can halve the second half. 
they're definitely a team that could definitely come home with a wet sail, winning the last seven or eight games. So they're definitely a team that could do that. Even if they split the first six games and come home seven and one or something like that, I think they can they can still make it. But I wouldn't want it to be any more than 0-3, maybe 0-4. It'd be very difficult from there, I'd say, with the 17-week season. I'm the exact opposite, I think, if you're zipping three. Um, so that means you've got to win 10 of your next 14 to make finals. I think if you're zipping three, you're, you're done. I think this is... And I would almost say if you're one and three, it's starting to... It's not out of the question yet, but it's starting to get real difficult real quickly. Um, what did you think of the uh, format of the weekend um, with the game times? Personally, I loved it. Like You could pretty much watch every game. The only overlap was uh, Saturday night with the two night games. I thought it was brilliant. Like You finish one game and you go straight into the next one. Particularly with Sunday, I thought Sunday was almost a festival of football. Yeah, I loved it too. Actually, the uh, the time slots are a bit strange, but I they, actually, they I actually, look weird on paper. They look weird on paper. Yeah, exactly right. You you don't really see a three thirty five game ever or a, a six oh five game, but it definitely worked. As you said, they, they flowed into each other really, really nice, except for obviously the two Saturday night games, but that's going to happen. And it worked out well on the Saturday as well. And I think starting on the Thursday night's really good. Gets the, uh, the makes less time off from footy. Only the, only the three days off. So that, that's kind of good as well. But spreading the games over the four days was, was good. And the times were great as well. So I think the AFL has done a really, really great job in, setting out these times. And I think it's going to be like that for the next uh, next few weeks of this, w- this block. I wouldn't be surprised if we see that for the rest of the year and even next year, even make it a 7 o'clock Sunday night game and still sort of have that flow. Uh, it would work better with games, obviously, in Perth and a bit better in South Australia. But I think from an audience TV perspective, I loved it. You might not get a lot of people to a Sunday night game at the G or Marvel Stadium, but you, the audience numbers on TV would be massive. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I'm sure, I don't know the numbers, but I think they were very good on the on the Thursday night, the first game back, albeit a really... I, it was the, bet, uh, the highest watched in-season game in the last 10 years. So it was a pretty largely watched game against the Collingwood Football Club and the reigning premiers in Richmond. Yeah, no, definitely. I got got, got a bit of a question without notice here for you. Yeah. I know you, I know you're very much a fan of these questions. So currently there's yeah. four four teams that are are playing that are 0 and 2. Okay? Out of the four, which team do you feel like needs the win the most? out of the four to not have their season be over at this point in time. I think the... Okay, so I'm going to look at them. Fremantle, um, they're very unlucky to be on to. I think they've played pretty well so far this year. So they're also a side I didn't have in my top eight, um, but they've impressed me even with two losses. 
Carlton, on another day, they would have beat, beat Melbourne on the weekend. So they would could have been one and one. Um, and I think they're going to start to look um, move up the ladder, but they're not yet there for finals. Adelaide Crows, they're going to finish last this year. They're the worst side in the competition. They are dreadful. And the effort they put up in a showdown, which is the most important game of their year, barring finals, was a disgrace. And um, Kane Corns, um, who is obviously a South Australian legend of the game for the Port Adelaide Football Club, uh, said that that was the most dreadful performance he's seen by an Adelaide team in a showdown ever. And it was also Adelaide's worst loss in on South Australian soil in their club's history. And that's in a shortened game. Imagine what will happen later in the year. Watch out Adelaide Crows. But you probably have guessed by the way I've sort of answered this question, the Doggies need to win most of all. They're the only side in the bottom four who have who I believe are a finals capable side and they need the win. And if they don't get it, you can rub a black line in permanent ink through Adelaide Crows for finals in 2020. What do you think about that? Do you agree or? Yeah, I would say the Doggies are a pretty good team, though. I would possibly give them an extra week, but the other three I wouldn't. So if I see the other three, I think, I think the other three won't make finals like yourself, but I do think the Dogs can. And I do think they can from Alan Three as well. Uh, they, do um, have a, they do have a tough game this week, obviously. They're, they've probably got the toughest matchup against the Giants of the, of the bottom four. But this would be the last week that I would uh, <laughs> want to be losing and losing in clumps yeah, of three. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not as forgiving as you are. Um, question for you. Are they missing Lockie Hunter? To be honest, I don't, I don't reckon they are. I reckon they're missing some some forward targets. I, I just I'm not a massive fan of I am a fan, but I don't think Josh Bruce hasn't really proved himself yet. Aaron Norton, I know he had a good second half last year, but their forward line's just not quite there. I know they have Sam Lloyd across the half forward line as well. They've got a lot of almost there guys and I think they're going to struggle to kick goals. They definitely certainly have the midfield with Bontempelli, McRae, Dunkley, Lipinski, all those guys. They're, they're very, very good through the midfield. And even, even in defence as well. I know Easter Wood's out at the moment, but they, they, they're going all right down there too. But I think it's the forward line where, where they're just struggling yeah. to put scores on the board. I... I, I... Disagree with you. I I'm, I don't think they're missing the style of Lockie Hunter. I think they're more missing his leadership. Obviously, he is no longer vice captain of the footy club, but they're missing that another leader on the ground. As you said, Easton Wood, their former captain's also not playing at the moment. I just feel like they're lacking a bit of leadership. And Fontenpelle is a first year captain. He's developing. He's not going to be a top tier captain in round two of his first year. So I just feel like that they're lacking a little bit of leadership on the uh, doggies front, which could help them um, charge back up the ladder. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, and it'll be a big week and hopefully 
they'll they'll prevail against the Giants. They've got a, they've got another game at Marvel, so they'd want to they'd want to get a win. That's for sure. And they've got Sydney next week up in Sydney, and that's not an any road trip this year is not going to be easy. I know Western and North Melbourne did it last week, but I wouldn't want to be backing on a interstate trip to get a win um, this season. Um, but that will just about do us for another episode of Under Pressure pod, podcast. We look forward to another great round of footy this week where Can St Kilda topple the pies. What will happen with Melbourne and Essendon? Will Gold Coast make it two in a row? And will the Doggies season be over? All those questions will be answered this weekend in this round of footy. But before that, Chase is going to remind us about our brilliant social media. As always, like, share and subscribe the podcast. You can listen to it on Apple Podcasts as well as the Podbean app, which you can get on the App Store and the Google Play Store. You can see us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Share it out to all your friends and family. And once again, thanks for listening. On behalf of Matt and I, we'll see you on the next. <laughs>